You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. Time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and outstanding film and TV recommendations for whatever ails you. I think we do have some outstanding recommendations this week, actually. Um, I hope so. I, I hope the I hope the listeners or AKA the patients agree. <laughs> I feel good about it. Kristen, let's start <laughs> uh, with this week's letters. I'll let you take the first one. Sure. We have our first letter this week from our in-house pseudonym, Emily. We we do hope, by the way, that all of these Emilys are different people because... That's true. Uh, <laughs> because if not, there's one person going through a really bad time this year. <laughs> That would be horrible. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, really tough year for Emily. Anywho, Emily writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, a very surprising thing happened to my family and me. For over a year, we followed ultra-strict quarantine rules. No playdates, no get-togethers, no youth sports, no gyms, no swimming pools, no playgrounds, no restaurants, nothing. We order all our groceries online, and we play in our backyard. If we go on a walk, we always wear a mask and maintain six feet distance. My husband and I got our first dose of the vaccine on the day they opened the vaccine up to all adults in our state. Seven days later, we tested positive for COVID-19. We were shocked. Luckily, we do not have serious symptoms, just the typical fever, sore throat, fatigue, and aches. But our sons also tested positive our daughter luckily tested negative. Could you please prescribe a movie to cheer us up and reassure us that everything is going to be okay? Well, if you're if you're well enough to write a letter to movie therapy, everything probably will be okay. That's what I'm going to say. If you're not if you're <laughs> yes. if your symptoms are not that bad and, you know, and and everyone seems okay, I mean, then I, I feel like things are probably pretty positive for you. Um, I, I, fe- I feel generally like we are coming out of this pandemic. I don't want to jinx anything. I'll try to soften my language and not strike too hard a <laughs> note of optimism. But I do feel like we're coming through it. People are getting vaccinated. Hospitals are clearing out. I mean, at least in many places. If, if you did have a serious case of it, I'm sure there would be a bed for you somewhere. So I think the country, and hopefully you, Emily, are in good shape. Kristen, what do you say? Yeah, I hope so too. And 
I know this really sucks for you. I, I, oh God, after trying so hard, but I will say this, this is true with a lot of things in life. We try our very best to do the responsible thing, to take care of those we love. And unfortunately, there are just forces bigger than us in the world. Even when we take every precaution and do our best, sometimes we get sick. Sometimes we get flu shots and still get the flu. Sometimes we use condoms and still get STIs. Sometimes we wear a seatbelt, but we still get injured in a car accident. You know, the thing is that sometimes even when we try our best, things are out of our control. And it's unfortunate, but... I, I do have to say this. Um, my understanding is that if you have the COVID vaccine, like most vaccines, that the symptoms are not as bad as if you didn't have the vaccine. And it sounds like in your case, uh, that's true, Emily. So I'll just keep my fingers crossed that that continues to be the case for you and your family, that the symptoms remain uh, mostly mild and that you get through this quickly. Hopefully in a few days, you'll be out and playing in the backyard again with the kids. I hope I hope so too. And Kristen's right. You can't blame yourself for this. This, just, this is just luck of the draw. You never know what's going to happen. Um, everyone gets it differently. I mean, that's been, the, that's been the most maddening, one of the most maddening and sort of frustrating and I think kind of scary things about this is you just, you sort of don't know what you're up against. Um, so Kristen, what's your recommendation for this Emily? All right. Well, Emily, we don't know the age of your kids, but when you said words like playdates and um, playgrounds and so on, I assumed that your kids uh, may be younger um, or at least, you know, one or two of your kids may be younger. And so I thought I'm going to suggest a kids movie that I think adults like quite a bit too, something that you and the kids will hopefully love equally. It's called Big Hero 6. It's from 2014. And Big Hero 6 is an animated superhero movie. Rafer, I think you and I may have seen this together in the theater when it came out. I think so too. I love this movie. Yeah. And you may recall I was crying quite a bit during this movie. At certain I points. recall that about you a lot, Kristen. Yeah. I do cry a lot in movies, but this time it was definitely warranted. I, I I felt it was warranted. Now, Big Hero 6, if you don't know it, it centers on a 14-year-old robotics prodigy named Hero. He lives in the futuristic city of San Francisco, which is kind of like San Francisco yeah. in Tokyo. And next to his older brother, Tadashi, Hero's closest companion is Baymax, a robot whose sole purpose is to take care of people. When his city is attacked, Hero, along with Baymax and his friends Gogo, Wasabi, Honey Lemon, and Fred, form a band of high-tech heroes using their robotics expertise. Here's a clip. Ow! (laughs) Ow! (sighs) Hello, I am Baymax, your personal healthcare companion. Uh, hey... Baymax, I didn't know you were still active. I heard a sound of distress. What seems to be the trouble? Oh, I just stubbed my toe a little. I'm fine. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your pain? A zero? I'm okay, really. Thanks. You you can shrink now. Does it hurt when I touch it? It's okay. No, no touching. You have fallen. You think? On a scale of one, on a scale, on a scale, on a scale of one to ten, on a scale of one to ten, how would you rate your pain? Zero. 
It is all right to cry. No, 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 crying no, no. Crying is a natural no. response to pain. I'm not crying. Kristen, I remember uh, not expecting much out of this movie at all. Um, and coming out of it and thinking, first of all, the story kind of made no sense. <laughs> But I agree with you. And it's kind of muddled. And I did not even realize it was going to be a superhero movie for the first half of it. Exactly. It was very confusing. Title is very odd because Big Big Hero 6, it doesn't refer to one person. It refers to the team, I think. Right. And I was confused. And I felt like, is Baymax the... Who are we? What is this? And, and and what is Baymax? He was like he's like a healthcare professional robot. It's very odd, very very odd. Yes, yes. But like you, I totally choked up, and I thought it was it was fun and funny and um, fast moving and up tempo and got me misty eyed at the end. And I have to say, it just totally won me over. I really liked this movie. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm just going to echo everything you said. It doesn't necessarily always make sense. No. <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily know what genre it's in, but it's still a really wonderful movie that, Emily, I think you and your family will love. And it will remind you, even if you are smart, like Hero, our robotics uh, genius, even if your whole job is to take care of people like Baymax, even if you do your best to care for and love those around you, Sometimes things just go wrong. Sometimes things are beyond our control. And yes, that sucks. But in the end, I think this film sends the message that we can get past that and that things will be okay, even though they can be very, very devastating. Even though uh, they don't go as planned, we can get through it. And at the end of the day, we are not alone. We're going to be fine. And you're going to be fine too, Emily. I agree. Also about Big Hero 6, I think it's good for um, a pretty wide range of of kids, you know, my, my, yes. it's, it's a, it, my 13 year old still remembers this movie very fondly and still like really loves this movie. Um, so I think, I think if you've got a little range of ages there with your, with your kids, I think it, it's a crowd pleaser. Yes. And Rafer, what about you? What are you going to prescribe to Emily here? Well, I'm going to prescribe a, a I hope I'm, I'm cheating a little bit. I hope that's okay. I'm going to prescribe two movies. Oh, I love it when you cheat, Rafer. Do it. Okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Christian. <laughs> um, partly because uh, one of these movies is sort of in the news these days. But uh, I'll tell you what these movies are. They're the Paddington Bear movies. Paddington oh. from 2014 and Paddington 2 from 2017. If I'm not mistaken, they are as good as Citizen Kane, according to a recent film list. That is exactly, exactly <laughs> right. Well, Paddington 2, Paddington 2 has topped Citizen Kane for the highest, uh, the highest rated film on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and that's, and by the way, that's critics. That's not, that's not the audience. It's critics. Um, you can take that with a grain of salt. Um, there's a lot of idiots on Rotten Tomato. I'm one of them. So, you know. <laughs> but it is kind of funny. Uh, anyway, uh, if you don't know the Paddington books, you know, uh, they're they're lovable. They're about this very lovable small bear who shows up in Paddington Station in London. Uh, he's adopted by the Browns, this very normal middle class English family. The, you know, the kids love the bear and the mom is very momish toward him. And of course, the dad never wanted this pet. And, and of course, he grows to love Paddington anyway. Um, I, I think these books are not quite as well known in the US as they are in England it's it's i think they're a little bit more of a cult item here in the US maybe like like Tintin or something mm. anyway just a little backstory the you know the first Paddington movie 
kind of had some problems. You know, it's, it seemed like everything was working against that movie. It was it was released by Studio Canal UK, which is a, a big distributor, but they're not really known for family films. They're more like art house, foreign movies. The British Ratings Board, for some reason, gave the movie a PG rating uh, based on language and like sexual innuendo. And the filmmakers, the filmmakers were kind of mad. They tried to fight it, but the, the board wouldn't <laughs> move. Um, and then... In the U.S., Paddington was released by Dimension Films, which is a Weinstein company, first of all, but it's also known for mostly like horror movies. Like Dimension is, yeah, it was really weird. Like Dimension is where you go for stuff like Piranha 3D. You know, it's not. It's which, by the way, is an excellent, very fine film, but it's not. It's not known for family movies. And then also, they just dumped Paddington in America in the middle of January, which is where movies to go to die. It was just. It was like they were trying to shoot Paddington Bear in the head. But Paddington turns out to be like a total hit. You know, it's got this great cast of, of like, you know, stage actors, Jim Broadbent, Julie Walters and Sally Hawkins and Peter Capaldi. Uh, ben Wishaw does the voice of Paddington. Paddington's animated, but, you know, computer animated, but the rest of the cast is alive. And it's got this um, amazing star turn from Nicole Kidman, who plays the villain. She's like a kind of like an evil, sexy taxidermist who wants to stuff a Paddington. Um, <laughs> and it's really fun. And Paddington becomes the highest opening film for Studio Canal ever. And it does pretty well here in America, even though it can't quite get past that January release. And even though critics like me are saying, like, I'll be darned, this was actually really good. So I'm just going to play you a, a quick clip. Hello there. Mary. Oh, hello. Coming down in stair rods, isn't it? Uh, yes. Mum. Uh, I hope you don't mind me asking, but shouldn't you be at home? Oh, yes, I should. But I haven't quite worked out how to find one. Well, where are your parents? Oh, they died when I was small. Here we go. How did you get here? I stowed away in a lifeboat. Cool. And ate marmalade. Did you know bears like marmalade? I didn't even know bears could talk. Oh, well, I'm a very rare bear. There aren't many of us left. What are you going to do now? Well, I thought I would probably just sleep over there in that bin. That's the spirit. Anyway. Dad! Now, Rafer, why is this your prescription for Emily and her family right now? Well, the first movie was, like, it was very charming and fun. And again, kind of like with Big Hero 6, I wasn't expecting that much. And, uh, you know, the trailers made the first Paddington look a little goofy and dopey. And, um, and when I saw it, I thought, oh, that's, that's actually really charming uh, and, 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 and kind of enjoyable. And then when Paddington 2 came out, it just, I have to admit, it just turned out to be like a total masterpiece. It was like... Masterpiece? Yes. It's like, it's like on a level with Babe or like Toy Story. It was, <gasps> it was so... It was so good, and and the reason is be- one of the reasons I guess is because this time you had Hugh Grant as the villain, and he just <laughs> God he just steals the show. He he plays of course an egomaniacal actor. Um, he's really good at that. God, he's it's just and the uh, the movie and it's a it's a prison movie. Paddington goes to prison. He goes to like a maximum security. He's framed, and he goes to a maximum security prison where Brendan Gleeson is the cook and everyone's horrible. And then, of course, Paddington, because he's so soft and sweet and cuddly, he, he turns everyone nice. 
and it and it got like three BAFTA nominations, including for Best Picture. <laughs> it's just it's so good, and I just the movies are so fun and charming and sweet and lovable. They're just like they're just like they're such great good mood movies, and I feel like whatever is happening in your life. These are the movies that you're going to want to watch. You're going to probably have to sell them to your kids. If your kids are a little older, kids are going to be like, I don't want to watch a kids movie about Paddington Bear. <laughs> but I'm telling you, they're just so smart and fun and wonderful. And I just, you can't watch these movies and not feel like everything's okay. So that's why I'm prescribing these. Oh, I love that. I love it, Rafer. So Emily, once again, our prescriptions for you are from Rafer Paddington from 2014, Paddington 2, The Masterpiece from 2017, <laughs> and from me, Big Hero 6 from 2014. All right, now we're going to take a break. But before we do, a reminder that we love it when you rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. For example, Danica79 recently gave us five stars and wrote... I am always so excited when this podcast shows up in my feed on Fridays. Kristen and Rafer share a variety of letters that often feel relatable. Their movie suggestions are so diverse, too, reminding me of old favorites, as well as introducing me to great movies and shows I've never heard of. The mix of advice and pop culture recommendations has been a bright spot for me every week. Oh, yay. Danica, thank you so much. Are you Danica McKellar, by the way? Danica McKellar, a.k.a math nerd and star of the wonder years i hope you are that would be so cool right <laughs> do you know who i'm talking about rafer i don't know i don't oh, know oh my gosh uh, she played winnie cooper on the wonder years you, you don't remember rafer no i don't remember this i'm sorry i was not a wonder years fan oh man she, she she like came up with like her own math theorems and wrote books and stuff too oh that's awesome yeah she's she's this fantastic person who like acts and she's a math genius. I love it. Well, I'm going to I'm going to assume 79 is a birth year. That's my guess. I don't know. You think she's you think she's old enough? Is that too old? What is that? I don't know. That's hard for me to say. I'm not going to look it up. I'm not don't looking up Danica McKellar's birthday just for this reason because I just want to believe. <laughs> I just want to believe. <laughs> Anywho, Danica 79, thank you again. Everyone else stay with us. When we're back, we'll tackle a letter from someone whose stepchild is about to get married. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We are back with our second letter of the week. Rafer, take it away. 
All right. This one is also from Emily. Once again, we hope not the same Emily. Uh, <laughs> this Emily writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, thanks so much for your wonderful podcast. I'm wondering if you have any movie therapy advice for how to be the best possible stepmother of the bride. My lovely stepdaughter is marrying her sweetheart this year. Thanks so much. Oh, Emily, I love this letter so, so much. It brings tears to my eyes how sweet you are and how lucky your stepdaughter is to have you as a stepmom. I mean, uh, there are good stepmoms, there are bad stepmoms, there are stepmoms in between, but it sounds like you're a great stepmom because you're just trying to think of how to make this the best day for your stepdaughter. And just the question in and of itself says to me, you're already on the right track. You don't need much advice from us. Totally. You already are asking the questions, which are, you know, what can I do to make your life better? I love you. What can I do to help? And and these are like what any person getting married, I think, would want to hear from a parent or a parental figure. So I think you're already on the right track. And Rafer, um, by the way, uh, I think listeners know this, both Rafer and I are children of divorce or however they used to put it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I forget, is your dad married or is that his girlfriend? My dad did remarry. That's right. Yes. Okay. I couldn't remember if she was girlfriend or stepmom. And have you learned anything from having her as a stepmom about what you would want if you were a young bride? I mean, that's a lot of ifs. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I mean, I don't know. That relationship is a little different because, I mean, they got married when I was, you know, so old. I mean, I was like, I was like old guy already by the time they got married. And, you know, and also they live on the other side of the country. And so it's, ah, it's just not quite the same thing. Oh, it, also they got married like at a, at a civil ceremony. Um, my dad put his iPhone in his shirt pocket and uh, so that I could hear it. While they got while they got oh. married, so oh my gosh, that is so sweet. Yeah, it was a little. He was just like, "No, don't come out. I don't want you to come out. It's no big deal." So uh, he refused to let me come out. So he just did the ceremony. They went to a justice of the peace. He called me up. He's like, "All right, you ready?" Oh put his gosh. shirt, put his put his phone in his shirt pocket, and that's how it, that's how it went. So um, you know, I don't have a lot of. Uh, I have some expertise in weddings. I don't know if I, if I've, I, 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 I don't know if I'm quite the right person to ask this question of, but I would, I would mostly agree with Kristen that it sounds to me like since your intentions are good and it sounds like, um, you know, you have good feelings toward your, toward your stepdaughter and, and it sounds to me like you're on the right track, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'll say that when I got married, I didn't have any parents alive. And so Oh, that's right, Kristen. Yeah. And so my aunt and my sister, um, they walked me down the aisle. And my husband, his mom was alive and um, his sister, and uh, they walked him down the aisle. So we each had family members walking us down the aisle when we got married. And when I say aisle, I mean in the back room of an overly crowded bar that was probably like <laughs> against fire code. But <laughs> I was there. I yes. was there, Kristen. Yes, you were there, Rafer, you know. And uh it it was um, you know, a great moment to have my aunt and my sister there, but just having a parental figure there who's alive, I think will mean so much to her. Somebody who is out there radiating love and wishing her the best and so on. And, you know, saying, what can I do to help? What can I do to make your day easier in the lead up to the big day and on the day itself? I think that'll make such a difference for her. And I just want to repeat, your heart clearly is in the right place. And that's the most important thing here. So I don't even know if you need advice from us. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true. 
<laughs> but, you know, movie advice might be a good thing. So, Kristen, what, what's your suggestion here? <laughs> well, I am prescribing the quintessential stepmom movie that we've all known and loved for 55 years now. It's called The Sound of Music from 1965. Aw, that's a great movie. <laughs> I love this movie. I know it's schlocky. Uh, And I'm sure most of our listeners know what The Sound of Music is. But if you don't, in The Sound of Music, Julie Andrews stars as Maria. She's a young nun in late 1930s Austria who is assigned to be the nanny for seven children. Their father, Captain Von Trapp, is played by Christopher Plummer. And since losing his wife, the captain has run his household like he runs a military operation. There are strict rules. There are uniforms. Nobody shows any emotion. And when Maria enters the picture, laughter, music, and Frank talks about feelings return to the household. And I really want to reiterate, lots of music. (laughs) So if you don't like music, that might be an issue for you. Anywho, about the feelings I mentioned returning to the household, those feelings often come in the form of Frank heart-to-heart talks with the oldest daughter, Louisa, who's falling in love with a young Nazi named Rolf. Here's a clip. What do you do when you think you love someone? I mean, when you stop loving someone, or when he stops loving you. Well, you cry a little, and then you wait for the sun to come out. It always does. There's so many things I think I should know, but I don't. I really don't. How can you? Sometimes I feel the world is coming to an end. And then you feel it's just beginning? Yes. (laughs) It was that way with me, Liesl. And for you, it will be just as wonderful, I promise. Do you really think so? When you're 16, going on 17, waiting for life to start, somebody kind who touches your mind will suddenly touch your heart when that happens after it happens nothing is quite the same somehow i know i'll jump up and go if ever he calls my name i was always so upset by the character of uh, of rolf He's so upset when i was a kid oh god he is the worst oh, oh god just the worst uh, i once went to a sing-along sound of music live and every time he came on screen the entire audience booed <laughs> like I love you it. couldn't hear a line he said because everyone was just like fuck you boo nazi <laughs> yeah people were so <laughs> incensed <Yeah>. that's funny <laughs> Louisa, get away from him. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, but back to our stepmom figure here, uh, Maria, who, by the way, does eventually marry the captain. So she doesn't just stay a nanny. She becomes a legit stepmom, not just a stepmom figure. But what is amazing about Maria is she lets Louisa make her mistakes. She asks Louisa questions. She doesn't tell Louisa the right or wrong thing to do so much as just be, you know, a shoulder to cry on and somebody she can confide in and somebody who she knows she can talk to woman to woman. And I think that when it comes down to it, Emily, you can be that same person 
for your stepdaughter. You can be the person to confide in. If she's having a really tough day wedding planning, you can be someone she, you know, cries on your shoulder and feels a little bit better afterward. Maybe you'll take her out for a cup of coffee or a martini and just laugh about your own experience planning weddings in the past. And I think that's all you need to be here. You can be like Maria in The Sound of Music, and maybe you can even sing together. You can sing a little song and just add that to the pile of things you can do if you want to. <laughs> I think that's lovely, lovely advice and a lovely movie recommendation. It's 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 still one of my favorites. I think I think it's I think it's hilarious that Christopher Plummer uh, hated this film. Did you know that? <laughs> Didn't he call it the sound of mucus? Yeah, he, he called it the sound of mucus, and he called it S and M. He hated it, uh, but I love it, and everyone loves it. So there you go. <laughs> but Reaver, what about you? Are you going to recommend another feel-good movie like The Sound of Music? No, I'm not. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend a slightly tougher film. Uh, I'm going to recommend Rachel Getting Married from 2008. Oh, I hate this movie so much. Do you hate this movie, Kristen? Oh my God, I can't stand it. I want to watch a bunch of horrible people be horrible. Interesting. I didn't know you that. You don't feel like it's watching a bunch of horrible people just be horrible? No. No, I don't. That's interesting. Really? Okay. okay. Well, I'll let you explain. All right. I'll let you explain, Rachel, getting married and why it's not just horrible people being horrible. We, okay. we can get into this. Oh, uh, okay. So so this is uh, the story not really of Rachel. This is a story of a woman named Kim, Kim, Bu- Kim Buckman, uh, played by Anne Hathaway. Uh, it's her older sister, Rachel, who is getting married, but um, Anne Hathaway, Kim, is the main character. Kim is attending the wedding, which is kind of a big deal because she is a drug addict and she's been given a day pass from her rehab facility to attend. And the family's a little worried because Kim just doesn't have a problem. She kind of is a walking problem and she likes to make herself a problem. She's got a lot of anger. She's got a mouth on her. She's not exactly the go along to get along type. And so she shows up to her family's very large house in Connecticut it's this very hip liberal wedding. You know, the, the dad is a record producer, so Robin Hitchcock is the wedding band, and you know, Rachel's groom is a. Remember that? I forgot about Hitchcock. Yeah, it was all, so the, the film was kind of dotted with famous people, um, which was sort of one of my complaints about the film. But um, you know, it's directed by Jonathan Demme, and he's a big music fan. And um, the, the the guy who plays Rachel's groom husband uh, is a classical musician in the movie, but in actuality, he's uh, Tunde Adebimpe from the rock band TV on the radio. Mm-hmm. There's all these little appearances like that. But it's this, essentially this very, you know, hip, sophisticated, liberal, waspy, but also diverse kind of wedding where everyone's very cool. It's exactly the kind of place you don't want a person like Kim. Here's a clip. I want to make a toast to the happy couple because I want to come visit you in Hawaii. <laughs> and um, Sydney, what's the name of that place again? It's a hunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukunukun
Miss Rachel, before she had her license or knew anything about how to drive, managed to outmaneuver an irate, screaming cab driver all the way across 96th Street to the East River, handily avoiding two EMT guys loading an old lady onto a gurney or something. And then she got the number of one of the EMT guys and went out with him twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I did do. Yeah. <laughs> Three. Oh, Three times. So anyway, um, when the cab driver finally caught up with us, she talked him down from his Middle Eastern fury and like, Mahmoud, such a nice man. <laughs> um, in like, you know, pretend Arabic, Farsi, Urdu, I don't know. All these people are insufferable, Rafer. <laughs> All these people suck, Rafer. You did you really? Feel, I mean, they they are they're certainly a a a, a type of well heeled East Coast liberal. But did you really feel that they were all like really terrible? Oh, very early on, I just thought, I know why Kim is an addict. I would be too if I were from this family. These people are terrible. <laughs> That's funny. How could you be in this family That's and funny. not be an addict? Okay, well, I think we could probably. There's a character in this movie um, that you may not even remember. Um, it, there's a character in this movie uh, named Carol. She is the second wife of the dad. Uh, it's Anna Devere Smith. And so she's the second wife. She is. She, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about her. Right. Yeah. She, well, she's the thing about her is um, she doesn't she she's it's interesting. She's kind of a an important figure, but she doesn't really say or do much ever in the film. She's always just kind of there. She's she's sort of in more scenes than you would than you would think. She never steps in to mediate. She doesn't have a big monologue. She's you know she's she's not um, running around kind of um, saving or rescuing or 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 doing anything like that. But she's just always there when something's good is happening, when when things are going wrong, when Kim is making a scene, when the dad is breaking down in the kitchen. She's there for whoever might need her, and she and she's she's I think certainly the one non horrible person in this movie. Even if you hate everybody else, I think you'd have to agree that this is a good character. And I guess what I'm saying here is pretty much the same thing that Kristen is saying, which is I think if you are just there and being supportive, and you are there for your stepdaughter and there for the other people who might need you, then I think. You have you are fulfilling your function and doing a good job, and I think you'll do great. You know what, Rafer? I think that's a lovely message. I think Anna Devere Smith is fantastic in so many ways. She's a great yeah. uh, playwright, actor, so many different things. Uh, and um, all that being said, I don't think you need to watch Rachel Getting Married, <laughs> but you can take Rafer's advice and also take my advice to watch The Sound of Music. All right. We're going to take one more quick break, but before we do... Do you need some movie therapy? Visit our website, raferandkristen.com. Fill out the contact form. You don't have to use your real name. Yes. Like most folks who use a pseudonym, you can call yourself Emily if you like. You can call yourself anything you like. And if you haven't already, join the conversation on our Facebook community. That's facebook.com slash groups slash raferandkristen. When we're back, we'll have our weekly What Should I Watch Next letter.
Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. We're back, and it's time for our What Should I Watch Next letter of the week. Kristen, you want to take this one? Yes. Now, interestingly, this is from someone named Kim. You were just talking about Kim and Rachel getting married. And I know. I'm just guessing this Kim is not horrible because (laughs) Kim is writing about a movie that I recommended. So she says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, since last March, my husband and I have been doing a weekly movie night with a group of friends to keep in touch while socially distancing. We all take turns picking movies and have broadened our horizons with movies we never would have heard of or thought to watch, from Hollywood and Bollywood in a range of genres, horror, action comedy, with releases from 1953 like Roman Holiday, all the way up to 2020, His House. Last week, based on Kristen's recommendation, I chose 9 to 5. It was a complete hit. We were all grinning ear to ear for the entire movie and could not stop laughing. My husband and several others declared it their favorite that we watched so far. It was especially cathartic for the women in the group, myself included. My question is, on the next pick, how can I follow this with something equally delightful? Strikes against the patriarchy are a bonus. No animal deaths, please. Two of our friends recently lost their dog, and that scene in Hunt for the Wilder People made the movie, while still great, much less enjoyable. Well, I'll just say I love 9 to 5 as well. That's one of my favorite movies of the 80s. Um, So good. Yeah. I mean, Chris and I both love that movie. Uh, It's really difficult to find a a real crowd pleaser. Um, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, that's the whole... That's the whole mystery of the movies, right? Everyone's trying to get that tentpole movie that'll bring everybody in, all ages, all genders, all all persuasions, everything, to all come together and enjoy a movie. It's really, really difficult to do. Yeah. And 9 to 5, I mean, there's so much magic in that movie. Uh, the, you know, 
women rising up against the patriarchy, obviously, which you mentioned here, Cam. Uh, just the delightful acting, the fantasy sequences. The oh you know, God, Lily Tomlin as uh, as uh, Snow White. Oh, yes. oh God, it's so good. So so good. So so good. There's so much to love in this movie, and just the ridiculousness of it, and the fantasy of like, and the dream of like what if I could do this? I would love to do this. You know, there's just so much wrapped up in it. It's just wonderful. And who totally. And and who doesn't love just, you know, the opening credits with Dolly Parton's nine to five playing in it as you just watch everybody's feet yes. marching down Fifth Avenue yes. to get to work. Yeah. Oh, so good. Well, Kristen, do you have a, a recommendation for uh, some, something something similar? Well, I do have a recommendation that's not exactly similar, but it's also from the early 80s, from 1982. And it also stars Dolly Parton. It's called The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Of course. <laughs> now, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, in, in this film, Dolly Parton stars as Miss Mona Stangley, a businesswoman who runs a brothel called The Chicken Ranch outside a small Texas town. Miss Mona's business is technically illegal, but she's considered an upstanding and charitable citizen. On top of that, her brothel has become something of a traditional celebration spot for winning local football teams. And it also doesn't hurt that Miss Mona has a long-standing relationship with the sheriff of the town, played by Burt Reynolds. All that changes, unfortunately, when a big city TV personality, played by Dom DeLuise, tries to take the chicken ranch down. Here's a clip. And every time you hear that bell... You better get here double quick and ask for pimps. Pimps are something you don't need to get your daily business done. Are you listening good? Keep them bleaches and blood suckers off the back roads. I know how to use a gun and nobody messes with my girls. And any questions you might have about the way I run this place, don't drop and whine behind my back. Just tell me face to face, I'm open-minded, say it all, then go upstairs and pack the doors that away. Now, Kristen, this is not a movie that I remember really very vividly, but isn't Charles Durning in this movie as well? Yes, he is. He was the this best. This movie's star-packed, actually. God. It's got loads of stars in it. And on top of the stars, though, the reason to come to this movie is because it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's over the top. It's funny. It's shocking at times. I will never in my life get the scene out of my head of like the football players <laughs> dancing about how excited they are to see whores. You know, this is just... It's so ridiculous. There are going to be points where you're like, I can't believe this was made into a movie. Oh, uh, the football team. Oh, boy. You're going to watch this and think, how did this happen? This could never happen today. And you'll be grateful that it happened in 1982. <laughs> and, and of course, Dolly Parton, always delightful. Dolly Parton is just, you, you want to cheer for her in this movie. And you want to cheer for love between her and Burt Reynolds. They have great chemistry in this movie. I mean, who is there a better Hollywood couple you could think of? Burt Reynolds no. and Dolly Parton. My God. It's just great. My God. So good. So, so, so good. Uh, I do want to add here, it is based on the 1978 Broadway musical, which means it does have singing. And um, I already mentioned the the song that the football players sing when they're they're going to see some whores. Um, but, 
going to get into that whorehouse. <laughs> but there's lots of other songs, too, including one of my favorites, which is Hard Candy Christmas, which you may know uh, is one of Dolly Parton's biggest hits. Oh, no. She sings that in this movie as well. <gasps> I don't know that oh, one. Rafer, it's so good. Oh, my God. It's so good. Oh, oh Rafer, when we are done taping today, I am sending you <laughs> Hard Candy Christmas. You're okay. going to add that to your next playlist, and you're going to love it. Oh, I totally so will. Oh, I, you know, I've got a very long Christmas playlist. I'd love to add that to it. Oh, God. It is so sad. Oh. It's the saddest Christmas song you'll ever hear. But it's beautiful also. It's so good. I love it. All right. Great. Great. Excellent. But what about you, Rafer? What are you going to recommend that is also delightful for Kim? Kim needs some delight here. All right. I think I I think I have an answer. Um, and here's what I'm going to say. Whenever I think of 9 to 5, there's another movie that I think of, and I'll just explain why I make this leap. Um, 9 to 5 was written by one of my favorite screenwriters of the 80s, Colin Higgins. Um, and here's his track record. Harold and Maude, Ooh. Foul Play with Chevy Chase and, Gold and, and Goldie Hawn is a very underrated little cute uh, action comedy. Silver Streak, Ooh. one of my favorites. Nine, nine to Five, of course. And Kristen, which you may not know, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. <gasps> oh so my gosh. That's Colin Higgins. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Sadly, dies of age-related complications in 1988. Uh, young, not even 50. And then there's another filmmaker that I always think of from that same era, a guy named Steve Gordon, who released his first film in 1981, smash hit. And the following year, he died unexpectedly of a heart attack. Ooh. Anyway, I always think of these two guys, uh, Higgins and Gordon, together when I think of the 80s because they're both so talented. Um, and the Steve Gordon movie I'm going to recommend, and Kristen, you'll be amazed it took me this long, I'm going to recommend from 1981, Arthur. Oh, my God, Rafer, you will love Arthur. I You love Arthur so much. I love it. I know you do. I love it. I know you love Arthur. I'm surprised. I am surprised it took this long. It's stunning, isn't it? <laughs> I do. I love it. God, I love it. I, I I quote it endlessly to this day. I could just about Rocky Horror this movie from start to finish. Um, if you don't know the movie, I'll tell you the story quickly. It's got Dudley Moore. He plays Arthur Bach. He's a multimillionaire playboy in Manhattan. He's got no responsibilities, no obligation. He's just rich, spends his time drinking, partying, picking up women, mostly drinking. Uh, he's supposed to marry a woman from another rich family, Susan, but instead he meets Linda. She's a waitress from Queens, and she's played by Liza Minnelli. And now Arthur faces a choice. If he marries Susan, like his family wants to, he'll be rich for the rest of his life. If he marries Linda, the waitress, his family will cut him off without a cent. So here's a clip of Arthur drowning his sorrows with a, a sex worker who he picked up off the street. Ah! Uh Princess Gloria, may I introduce my aunt and uncle, Peter and Pearl Bach? How are you? Princess? Did you say Princess Arthur? Yes, yes. There's a very small country in the West Indies. I mean, small. <laughs> I see. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's terribly small. Tiny little country. Rhode Island could beat the crap out of it in a war. That's how small it is. Small. Mm. <coughs> Very little. It's 85 cents in a cab from one end of the country to the other. I'm talking small. We here. understand it's <laughs> small, Arthur. Mm. They recently had the whole country carpeted. This 
is not a big place. We understand that it's small, Arthur, and we also understand that you are very drunk. So why don't we meet again when you're sober? Yeah, all right, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't help it. Grow up, Arthur. You'd make a fine adult. Yeah, it's easy for you to say. You haven't got 50 pairs of short pants hanging in your closet. <laughs> so that sex worker is not from Texas. She is, she is not from Texas. She's not from the best little whorehouse in Texas. No, this is a completely not. different sex worker, to be clear. That's right. We have a lot of overlap here, don't we, Kristen? <laughs> yes. um, fun fact that uh, the woman who plays that uh, sex worker was my uh, wife's high school drama teacher. Oh, Just my gosh. completely randomly. <laughs> uh, anyway... I recommend this movie because it's really just uh, – it's really an old-fashioned 1930s screwball comedy. Uh, you, you can see it in the opening scene where uh, Dudley Moore is riding around in this old-fashioned Rolls Royce. He's got a full tuxedo with a top hat. It just kind of sets the tone for the whole film, which is one of these classic stories about the guy who's got to choose between money and love um, – not everyone loves Liza Minnelli, but I do. I think she's fantastic, and I think she's really fun in this movie. And then you've got Sir John Gielgud, one of the great British stage actors of all time, who plays the butler, Hobson, who's really Arthur's only friend. He's really his, he's Arthur's father figure. Um, he's his confidant. And Gielgud won his, his first Oscar for supporting actor for this movie. Um, mm. And I think... I just think the movie is so sharp and funny. The one-liners are just unstoppable, but it's also really romantic and it's really tender and kind of poignant. Um, and I think it's just got something for everybody. And I think it is one of these really crowd-pleasing movies that's so rare to see. And uh, don't watch the remake with Russell Brand. <laughs> don't watch this, the original sequel to the original Arthur. Just watch the original Arthur. Uh, I remember I got you really angry at one point, Rafer, because I said... The remake might be better than the first. Oh, my God, Kristen. Why did you even remind me that you said that? <laughs> our, our friendship had healed. <laughs> God. I just want to add one more thing, though. That song about the moon in New York City from Arthur. Yes. <laughs> not as good as the music from Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. I'm just going to say it. No, that's, that's probably true, but a massive hit. A massive hit. Yes. Christopher Cross. Yes. Oh, my God. Massive hit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So once again, our recommendations are from me, Arthur, and from Kristen, the best little whorehouse in Texas. Well, Rafer, I think it's time to fold up our prescription pads and put them back in the medicine cabinet. Because that's it for this week's episode of Movie Therapy. I said at the top that I think we had some pretty good recommendations. What do you think? I think so, too. I think it was a good week. And even though I don't agree with you on some of your recommendations, <laughs> I think our patients will, will like them quite a bit. Oh, you're just mad about uh, Rachel getting married. That's right. Oh, you're mad about God. that. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. Well, regardless, thanks to everyone who wrote in. We appreciate you as always. Reminder, you can always reach us on our website, RaferandKristen.com or via Twitter at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. Until next time, I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Welcome to the future in this year's wildest super fun show for adults. Hey, gang, it's Josh Olson. 
And Joe Dante. And we want to tell you about our podcast. It's about movies. Josh, there are a thousand podcasts about movies. Sure, but ours is different, Joe. That's true, actually. Our guests are writers, directors, musicians, comedians, actors. Hell, we even have other podcasters on. We play no favorites, and they don't talk so much about their own work about the movies that have influenced them and made them who they are. We call it the movies that made me. We've talked with people like Guillermo del Toro, Little Stevie Van Zandt, Martin Short, Ethan Hawke, William Freakin, Barbara Crampton, Jonathan Ross, Dennis Lehane, Mark Duplass, Adam McKay, Lorraine Newman, Jason Reitman, Alison Anders, Elijah Wood, Stephen Canales, Eli Roth, Joe Bob Briggs, Roger Corman, Bobcat Goldthwait, Leon Douglas, Dana Gould, Martin Campbell, Shane Black, Albert Hughes, Emily Deschanel, Joe Biafra, Larry Fessenden, Nicole Hawson, Sharky King, Lee Daniels, Roslyn Chow, Clancy Brown, Harvey Smith, Ike Barrels, David Arquette, Thomas Bell, Dejeanus, and Uwe Boll. It may not be highbrow, but it's lots of fun. Subscribe for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. In color to thrill you as never before. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.